0: So everyone is overreacting after week one in the NFL. I can't say I'm surprised. We waited, what, seven months for some football? I expected the massive overreactions that I've been reading, hearing, and seeing. But, um, people, it's one week. Take it easy. NFL teams, unless they face catastrophic injury can survive an opening weekend loss. Granted, I understand, as a sports fan, you guys, you, you want to start it off the right way. You want to get that first win. You want to be flowing on there, going into work after your team showed out on Sunday. But let's be honest here. A team could win their first game and go 4-12, and 12, or a team could win their first game and go 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, so on and so forth. So let's not put so much stock in the week one. Let's take it easy. Let's pump our brakes. There's going to be so many adjustments, so many game, pr- game plan changes, so many nuances that we're going to see throughout the season. We're, n- we're veteran sports fans here. We know how this NFL season go. goes. Yeah, every year, a group of sports fans loses their mind after one game. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. But anyway, let's talk a little sports. Let's talk a little football right now. The New England Patriots went into Arizona and beat what a lot of people have as the prohibitive favorite to come out of the NFC on their home field. I wouldn't call it impressive, but it was a very gutsy performance. So now how can it be so gutsy? It's only week one and everything like that. But when when you consider the fact that no Tom Brady suspended, no Gronk hurt, You got to give credit where credit is due A lot of people A lot, a lot, a lot of people Did not Have the Patriots going in there I'm in a sports group on Facebook The administrator of that group Posted a Facebook post Posted a Facebook post You see the monotony there And he asked the question Who's going to win? Patriots or Cardinals? I want to say out of the 15 people or so who responded, only two picked the Patriots. And that was a litmus test for basically the whole nation. Most people had the Patriots going down, Jimmy Garoppolo looking like an amateur, and getting beat, possibly getting embarrassed on a national TV Sunday night game of the week. I've been saying to y'all throughout the summer, if there's a player on the Patriots roster, he can play. Bill Belichick does not keep scrubs around. He doesn't keep scrubs around. So why would anybody expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be a bad quarterback? It's like it's a little puzzling for me because I, I just don't understand how we've been watching it at the NFL for so many years. We've been we've been following the game. We've been following this Patriots dynasty. Why do we still seem surprised when the Patriots go out there and win? Bill Belichick tosses guys away all the time Bill Belichick picks up scraps And finds a way to make them work If you're on the Patriots roster You can play And if you can't play You will get cut at any point in the season And we've seen that from the Patriots They get rid of guys They pick up guys That you think are done And they they squeeze the last bit of energy out of them And at the same time If it's week 8 and this guy shows himself to be a scrub He gets cut so, all of you out here up in arms having the nerve to call last night an upset, I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm a little disappointed in you. You should not be surprised anymore. The Patriots are going to go possibly 4 0 or 3 1 with Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo can play. He's been the best kept secret in the NFL. But it shouldn't have been a secret. It should have been flagrantly obvious. He's been on the roster a few years and he never got cut. Whereas the quarterback, uh, I don't even remember his name. He, he Six for seven dude, he ended up on the Texans. I don't even remember, Exactly. I don't remember his name. Had a big arm. He got cut. Matt Castle a few years ago, he got sent away. The they didn't want to pay him. They have Tom Brady. He, he But eventually he regressed. But with, with Bill Belichick, he was able to shine. And I wanted to transition away from what the Patriots do in terms of on the field last night. And I want to focus more on Bill Belichick. I saw something last night and I hear it a lot in sports fan circles. They talk about the Patriots do well because it's the Patriots system. The Patriots system. The system. The system. They are the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL. And I want to ask myself a question, and I want to ask you guys a question while y'all listening. What exactly is the Patriots system? Hmm? You know, you watch football, for instance, we see the Saints. We know what Sean Payton's offense is. We know what it's all about, right? Mike McCarthy out in Green Bay. We know what it's all about, right? When Tom Coughlin was dead, we knew what the Giants' approach was. We know what the Seahawks' approach is. What is the Patriot system? I'm kind of frustrated when I see sports fans giving lazy opinions because it's become the rhetoric, it's become the talking point, it's become the quote-unquote fact. What you, what what a lot of you sports fans are failing to realize when it comes to the New England Patriots is they don't have a Patriot system, air quotes. What Bill Belichick has mastered, and what more coaches need to do, and what all successful, all-time great coaches do, is they do what's necessary to win. They're talking about the Spurs of the NFL. When the league changed, so did Greg Popovich. The Spurs don't play the same way in 05 that they did in 2015. You get what I'm saying? As the league changed, so did Greg Popovich. Phil Jackson in the NBA. Yes, triangle offense. Shogun triangle. But look at those Lakers games with, with Pau Gasol and Kobe Bryant. The Lakers ran more pick and roll than anything else. They, When the bench squad came in, they ran more triangle. But Kobe and Pau Gasol was one of the most devastating pick and roll combinations in the league. The league became over a pick and roll league Thanks to Mike D'Antoni Phil Jackson adjusted In series you would see the great coaches They adjust to what they, they need to do In order to win Tony La Russa in baseball Never had the same types of teams He coached to his talent He managed to his talent So when I hear this talk about The Patriots system All the Patriots do more than anything else, is what's necessary to win. One week, it might be Gronk going ham. The next week, it might be Julian Edelman going ham. The following week, it's Legarrett Blount or, or some running back that we didn't know existed until that week of. What they do on a week-to-week basis is they pinpoint what you're not good at offensively and defensively, and they exploit that. They don't. They don't have a system. They don't have something where you say if you take this guy away, we're gonna beat them. No, that's that. Th- if that was the case, then they would not be good for this many years. Bill Belichick has simplified the game. He sees what you don't do well and maximizes it, and he continues to attack it until you adjust. And when you adjust, then you'll have Plan B. They come in with Plan A, B, and C. They might want to feature Gronk, but realize if they feature Julian Edelman more to start because you're weak at corner, especially at the slot position, your slot corner is weak and you're not willing to move your best cover guy to the inside, they're going to feature Julian Edelman. As soon as you adjust to Julian Edelman, then they can finally go back to feature a Gronk because then you have to f- focus on putting more attention on a Julian Edelman. You get what I'm saying? This is how it works. So when y'all talk about the Patriots' system and Bill Belichick's system, it ain't no system, Pops. The system is do what works to win. Watch these games. That's all you need to know about the New England Patriots. They don't keep scrubs around. One, and two, they do what's necessary to win. Does it mean cheat sometimes? Apparently so. Spy gate, deflate gate, no less. All right. And all the little things we heard from former players throughout the years about the locker room and the crowd noise and things of that nature. So go back to that point. No scrubs. Do what is necessary to win. Y'all need to enlighten yourselves. All this Patriot system is kind of irritating to hear guys say that. It's the system. It's the system. What it is, is it's human chess. Certain guys leave New England and they don't play well because the coach is simply just not as good. It's no offense there. It's no offense at all. You don't have a Bill Belichick simplifying the game and and making things easy for all his players. What's complex about what the Patriots do? But I'm not going to keep railing about the Patriots. But it's just frustrating to hear fans who should know the game who are still falling into this whole trap about the system. The system is, you can't stop the run, we're going to run. You can't stop the pass, we're going to pass. You can't handle the blitz well, we're going to blitz more. Your quarterback can't read zone coverages that well, we're going to zone. It's that simple. I know y'all don't want to believe that, but it's that simple. Anyway, let's move on. The New York Giants, for the second consecutive season, opened up in Dallas. And as per usual, when they're in Dallas, the games in, in New Meadowlands... MetLife, they they either are blowouts for each either team, whether it's Dallas or the Giants. It's never close. But the games in Dallas always seem to come down to the wire. A year ago, the Giants had a brain fart. They had the ball late. They threw the ball instead of running the ball and clocking the Dallas Cowboys, leaving the Cowboys too much time to go out there and win the game. Right? This year, for the most part, they handled their business I'm going to switch the vibe up a little bit with the background music They handled their business for the most part They ran the ball when they needed to They left them the Cowboys about a minute They left the Cowboys about a minute to go the length of the field Or at least the majority of the field to kick a field goal Fast forward, we all know what happened Terrence Williams didn't go out of bounds The Giants won the game So essentially a brain fart last year Is returned with a brain fart on the opposite side this year So, you know, that's how the world balances itself out. Because the Giants should have won last year, right? Whatever. Everybody today is harping about, oh, Terrence Williams, he should have went out of bounds. He should have went out of bounds. Terrence Williams, why didn't he go out of bounds? So listen, before we harp on the end of the game, and this is why I spoke about it back in May, we need to focus on the grand scope of the game. All right. Generally speaking, in that last possession, he should have went out of bounds. Let's table that now. We're not going to talk about that anymore. He should not He should have went out of bounds. But let's talk about the fact that the Cowboys left a lot of points on the field. We are sacrificing a singular moment in this game while ignoring the whole game in its entirety. The Giants defense stood up in the red zone. And the Giants offense made the most of their red zone opportunities. Why aren't we talking about that? Why are we focusing on things why are we focusing on things in a short-sighted manner? You get what I'm saying here. If you have a team in the Dallas Cowboys with a rookie quarterback moving the ball, they, they and they control time of possession against the Giants. They were very consistent in what they were doing. But they could not score touchdowns. All this hype about Dak Prescott, and there's no heat on him right now for not producing touchdowns. There's no heat on Ezekiel Elliott for looking kind of ordinary against that Giants front. But we want to focus on veteran Terrence Williams not going out of bounds. How is that fair? That is a total team loss for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not going to be like some of these other guys in the rail against them and, and all this and that because it's corny. It's played. We know the Cowboys haven't been good for a very long time with the exception of a couple of seasons here or there. But the fact remains that yesterday, against the New York Giants, they controlled that game. I'm a Giants fan. They controlled that game and failed to put the right amount of points on the board. That's what it really is. And that's what it should be about. I'm a little disappointed that today Terrence Williams is the only person who has the answer for yesterday's game. The Giants, on the other hand, I like what their front is doing. You know I was a little concerned about the amount of money being spent I, as we know the team that wins the offseason in the NFL usually doesn't show improve but a part of me was it was a part of me was concerned but not too concerned because if they would have spent that money on offense where you need more chemistry to be built as opposed to defense I could understand why the defense would show out defensive players build that camaraderie build that chemistry more because essentially defensive players just have to do their job and going back to Belichick for a second what does he preach to his players? Do your job. If you're a DN, be a DN. If you're a defensive tackle, be a D-tackle. If you're a secondary player, play the secondary. So when you talk about going back to the system, when you talk about the system, there is no system. Do your job, and you'll be successful. Simplify the game. And that's what we went back to the Giants. The Giants didn't do anything complex. They had a a pretty straightforward defensive game plan. They mixed in some zone here and there, but I saw a lot of man coverage out there. I saw Landon Collins in the box a lot, trying to take away that run with the stout O-line of the Cowboys. Not to say they were very successful, because again, the Cowboys controlled the time of possession. But in terms of the red zone, when the field got smaller, the Giants played bigger than the Cowboys. And that, my people, is what decided the game. Not Terrence Williams, not going out of bounds. But the Giants failing to put touchdowns. I me mean, excuse me, the Cowboys failing to put touchdowns on the board. So be mindful of that going into week two, Cowboys fans. You want to be able to put touchdowns on the board. Forget Terrence Williams. These things happen with human. But if Dak Prescott is moving the ball next week, he has to put touchdowns on the board. You can't keep settling for field goals. It's not gonna get the job done out here. Week one in in, in Atlanta. I want to call it an upset, but Jameis Winston, I believe, is going to come up. He, he has his weapon, Evans, Vincent Jackson. I don't want to call it an upset because I feel like the Atlanta Falcons are a perennial disappointment. They find ways to lose re- religiously. They're a team that's always... Going to find ways to take L's on their head. So now you're going to be like Jarvis bashing the Falcons. But no, it is what it is. Home opener against a team that's on the come up. Not an elite team by any stretch of the imagination. They should beat the Buccaneers at home week one. With, with all the emotion, the, the crowd energy and things of that nature. Falcons are, uh, they 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 dropped the ball. That's it. I'm not going to kill them. They dropped the ball. And I feel like that might be a precursor of things to come. 30, giving up 31 points at home in week one. Disappointing. I want to shout out the Packers. The Packers, very impressive, competitive game against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, a lot of people, including myself, have been rating the Jaguars very highly. And in their first test, first game of the season, they lost. This this, this was a, a litmus test game. All right, I know it's week one. You don't want to overreact. I'm not overreacting. But it, at the end of the day, if all these people, including myself, are going to hitch out wagons to you as, as that up-and-coming team... Week one against a, a brand name in the Green Bay Packers, you got to show out. Blake Bortles, he did play well, though. You know, let's not take anything away from Blake Bortles. 24 for 39, 300 yards. Week one, that is a tone setter, ladies and gentlemen. Blake Bortles is on the come up, but I'm a little concerned. Is the moment too big for them? Are they a year away? Again, week one overreactions. I am not doing. But again, you have to be mindful going into week two and then week three when we keep our eye on the team a little bit more. Are they gonna be able to handle the spotlight? Or because if they lose if they lose week two, lose week three, the wheels will come off real quick. Why? Because this team is young. So we have to be mindful of the fact that although it's week one, younger teams need to create positive energy from the start so that the ball can get rolling. So that when they when they do hit that rocky point, they have a cushion before they can bounce back. 0-1, losing at home to the Packers It's not. It's nothing to frown about It's nothing to hang your head about These are the Packers, it is Aaron Rodgers But, I'm concerned now That if they don't get a win in week 2 or week 3 We could be looking at the wheels falling off Very quickly for the Jacksonville Jaguars Shout out to Carson Wentz, man I bashed him on car sessions I called him a person A quarterback with Minimal experience A smidgen of experience is what I said And he came out there, played really well. All right, it was against the Browns, but at the end of the day, the Browns are still a professional football team. He did what he needed to do. I'm going to apologize to the uh, Eagles organization for one week at least because it's a 16-game season, 17 weeks in total. And we have to see how this plan plays out because I still don't think they have a plan. Unless they're smarter than everybody and they see something that Carson Wentz that none of us see as of today, they still don't have a plan in my opinion. So we'll see We got a full game of game film on Carson Wentz So now we'll get to really see what it is with this guy Is he that good When defenses finally be able to game plan properly for him How will he adjust to that Not Then, then we will know But for week one Salute to the Eagles for doing what they needed to do Shout out to the Vikings also You know they needed some positive energy Anytime you lose a quarterback The way they lost their quarterback You know dislocated kneecap Completely torn knee that's tough, man. That's real tough. It can hurt the psyche of a team. It can hurt. It can kill the locker room, especially when a team, you know, has big expectations. They were down ten to nothing at the half, so you could see that they were playing with the weight, that pressure on the shoulders. But they they managed to to survive that first half onslaught. I think part of what the Titans were doing was playing with that emotion of week one. Going back to my point with the Falcons, you're at home week one. Week ones at home are almost playoff like atmospheres. But they, they, they weathered the storm, put up 25 second half points, won the game. So, you know, I laughed at the trade. They st- they definitely got robbed. Ski mask on for the Philadelphia Eagles. But the fact remains is that by setting the tone, getting an early win, they, they take some of that no Teddy Bridgewater pressure off of their backs. Because, again, it's a pressure game. When teams have expectations that we know as sports fans, we know that their talent is fringe talent. They're not elite. You need all the positive energy you can get to start because the wheels can come off so quickly then it can ruin the season. The last game I want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about every game from week one. You know, I, I, I felt like there's certain games, there were certain off the field issues surrounding them. You know, like the Eagles and Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater. That's an interesting name, Teddy Bridgewater. And the Falcons being perennial disappointments, I felt the need to talk about them. But the game that I really want to get into here, because it's twofold: it's the game itself and what's coming out of the game. It's the Jets and the Bengals. So, the New York Jets. I'm a Met fan. I like in the Mets. And the Jets to be one and the same In terms of the vibe around their franchise No matter how good those teams get They always find extremely painful ways to lose games The Knicks too, to, the, to some degree The Knicks, the Mets, and the Jets All lose games where they have you, right? You're the fan of this team Even sports fans, they know, they, watch, they follow the sports You guys will watch the games a team playing really well all game long and then in the fourth quarter or the bottom of the ninth or whatever whatever late game scenario there is they don't get the job done they don't close the game and it spoils you your weekend your night your day whatever it is because you spent nearly three hours believing your team would win only for them to lose at the end it's almost like watching a great movie with a crap ending And I believe that's what happened here with the new with, with the Jets and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jets were controlling the game even when you know it was a close game but you it always felt like the Jets had it in control. It didn't FitzPatrick what does he do? Throw an interception. What have I been saying to you guys about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Ever since the, the end of last season Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion, regressed to the mean. And when I say regressed to the mean, I mean he played over his head for 16 weeks. And in week 17, he woke up and remembered he was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, that's what happened. At the end of the week, at the the 17th week, he remembered who he was and decided, you know what? I think it's about time for me to chill out. I've been doing a little bit too much here. And I need to relax and show people that I'm average and I don't deserve the money that I tried to hold out for over the summer. There's a reason why the Jets didn't want to pay him. Because the Jets know, just like I know, just like most of you guys know, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not very good. No shade, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It just is what it is. Game on the line. You need a quarterback to drive down the field. Ryan Fitzpatrick is on my short list of quarterbacks I don't want in that situation. <laughs> Ryan, man, I'm sorry, but you're not very good, and that's why the Jets are in trouble this season. I said it in the preseason; it's a quarterback's league, and I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a quarterback for the Jets if they have Super Bowl—excuse me, Super Bowl aspirations. They could possibly make the playoffs because the defense is good enough. They have the skill players, but when they need that quarterback to make a throw. To make a big time throw in a big time situation 8 times out of 10 Ryan Patrick is going to throw an interception Because that's just who he is intrinsically That is who he is But there's something else coming out of that game That is a little It's a little interesting to me And I wanted to laugh about it with you guys Darrell Revis He got worked by A.J. Green Darrell Revis, I want to say, got embarrassed by A.J. Green. 12 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Green put up two games worth of stats on Darrell Revis. That has never happened before. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I had to think about that for a second. It hasn't happened to Darrell Revis before. But... Last season on car Sessions, myself and my old co-host, A. Rich, we, we had a whole conversation when we saw Sammy Watkins spin Darrell Revis around in a way we've never seen happen to him before. Darrell Revis has never been put in a spin cycle like that. And it was right at that moment I, I said, Revis Island is no more. It is now Revis Resort. An all-inclusive resort. And as we can see from what AJ Green did yesterday, he took advantage of all the amenities that comes with that all-inclusive resort. So you know what? There you have it. The island is closed. If you had any questions, any doubts about the legitimacy of Revis Island being closed, and it is now an all-inclusive resort. You have your answer. But not not a talk. Today is, it's time for Darrell Revis to move to safety. Okay. Darrell Revis should move to safety I want to go back to Belichick For a second Bill Belichick knew Before all of us That Darrell Revis Wasn't the Revis we had come to know and love Since he had the ACL He got the the big money contract And everything like that Sounded like TJ He hasn't been the same He went to Tampa Bay He was a fish out of water He went to New England He played well. But there's a dirty secret about his time in New England that nobody talks about at all. When he was in New England, he didn't spend a lot of time covering the primary guy. What made that New England defense so stout that year, especially on the outside, was the fact that they will put Revis on the number two receiver. And then put Brandon Browner on the number one receiver and double cover him with safety help over the top. The number one receiver of the opposing team that played against the Patriots always saw a double team with Brandon Browner and I believe McCourty. Playing all kinds of free safety that year. Do remember that that year look at look at the penalty numbers for Brandon Browner. There was a reason why he, he led the league in penalties at out of the secondary position, out of the cornerback position. Because he was constantly going up against the best. While Revis was going up against the second best The idea was If you take away the second best receiver on the opposing team And double cover the best receiver There's not many options for you to throw the ball And it worked to to the tune of a Super Bowl Bill Belichick already saw that Revis wasn't capable Of covering the team's best receiver And shadowing him for an entire game Like we had known him to be able to do and then Sammy Watkins putting him in a spin cycle last year drove the, home, drove the point home for most of the keen-eyed viewers like myself and other sports fans out there. But even further, there's a flaw in this whole playing safety argument that I want to point out. Why would Darrell Revis play safety where, you know what, more often than not, you're playing in space? He's going to be playing a, a a level of zone coverage or a majority of zone coverage because he can't play strong. He's going to be a free. Yeah. But, but when we last saw Darrell Rivas in zone coverage playing zone concepts in Tampa Bay, he wasn't very good. He 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 failed at being a zone cornerback. That wasn't his forte. His forte was man coverage. Not, I, I. granted, the responsibilities of a safety in zone are different from that of a cornerback, but generally speaking, if he failed at playing in space, when you're a cornerback, you're responsible. And when you're a zone cornerback, you're responsible for a certain area on the field. You play that area of the field, you lock it down. You don't lock the play down, you lock an area down, and he wasn't good at it. So now you're asking him to cover more ground as a free safety? He got to show me he could do that because if history shows anything about him playing in that in that Tampa 2, his one year as a Buccaneer, if that's an indicator of what he is in zone coverage, the Jets don't want him playing free. Is <laughs> The Jets don't want him playing free at all. So all of you guys jumping the gun about this whole talk about safety and Darrell Revis and all this and that, go look up that film of what he was doing in Tampa Bay. You will see. You might not want Revis as a safety on your team, New York Jet fans You don't want him being a free safety for your team What you want to do is mix and match Take a page from Belichick's book Put him on the secondary guy Because he's still good, he still has the, the cover skills Put him on the number 2 receiver And double cover the, the number 1 receiver of your opposing team I know the scheme calls for you to play man Because you want a man to be able to blitz at, at a moment's notice I understand that But you gotta be real about yourself You gotta be real about yourself New York Jets You gotta be real about yourself Todd Bowles Putting Revis on the island right now is gonna expose him and and compromise your defense There, I said it Darrell Revis is a liability in man coverage He's a liability as as a safety playing zone you have to find a way to put him on a second guy, shadow the second guy, double cover the number one guy, bite the bullet, and find ways to get creative with, 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 with mixing and matching of pressure. You're going to be have to. You're gonna be, have, you're gonna be able to have to get pressure with your front without bringing additional bodies. And I believe that they just have the talent to do so. So all of us talking about Revis and playing safety, pump your brakes. Pump them brakes. You see what you see. a theme here. We're pumping the brakes on week one. Knee jerk reaction says, put a corner in safety. Oh, Charles Woodson did it. Charles Woodson was a better overall corner than Darrell Revis. Revis is great in man coverage, but Woodson was great in man and in zone. He was always great playing in space. For Pete's sake, he was a kick returner and a wide receiver. All he wanted to do in college was play in space. He's comfortable doing that. Rebus is a man corner. It's not the same thing. It's apples and oranges. It's not apples to apples. Get what I'm saying there? Real quick for tonight, Monday night game. I think I'm going to take the Washington Redskins in an upset. I know I don't have them winning... I don't have to win them much this year. But I feel like week ones is those weeks where you see random wins from teams that might not be very good. So I'm going to take the Redskins and I'm going to take the 49ers. Both home teams are going to win today. If you're listening to this and it's not Monday in the games, I've already passed by the time this gets to you. You can tweet me and tell me, Job, you were right or job, you were wrong. We can, we can have that conversation on Twitter. Holler at me. Um, Week two. Got some interesting matchups. The New Orleans Saints looking to bounce back. Looking to bounce back against the New York Giants. That should be interesting. I think I'm going to take the Giants in that one. Giants home and picked. Don't judge me. I feel like a a season is on the line in week two because the pressure is going to build. If the Jets or the Bills, they got the Thursday night game. If the Jets or the Bills, either either one of those teams go 0-2 to start the season. It's going to be a lot of pressure. For the loser of that game. So this is a big, 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 big deal. So why are you asking there's going to be a lot of pressure? Well, simple. Rex Ryan might get fired this year. The Jets paid a lot of money a year ago. So they have the talent. These two teams have expectations of being good to somewhat very good. So if you start the season 0-2, there's going to be a big spotlight on you. It's a lot of pressure. I don't know. I'm a little concerned about... The season. I know it's week two. But any event that the Bills, any event that the Bills lose that game. And, and now we know that Rex Ryan is a lame duck coach. Players, they, you know, they talk to the owners. They read the clippings. Throughout the year, they'll play for Rex less and less because they know he's got one foot out the door anyway because, because he's going to get fired. The Jets, that New York pressure is something else. And the New York Jets historically have not shown that they can handle New York pressure very well. This is not an object bashing situation, but facts are facts. The Jets are not a they're not a they're not a heritage franchise. They're not a franchise that has dealt with a lot of success. So that being said, any kind of negative press could react negatively. They have, they they got a couple of head cases out. You got a regressing cornerback. You got Brandon Marshall, who's a head case. You got a quarterback, who's a head case. So week two is critical. Steelers and Bengals early AFC North game, that's going to be a tone setter. That's a humongous game. That game is going to be a tone setter for the season. Because, again, when the second time that matchup rolls around, it's going to be a lot of animosity. We saw what happened in the playoffs last year. Vontis Burfitt, we, we know what he did, essentially ruining his season by taking out Antonio Brown. So you know it's going to be a lot of bad blood, a lot of vitriol going into that game. So tone set in week two. I like what the NFL is doing with the schedule. That's a humongous game in week two. Week 2 doesn't have any more tasty matches, I don't think. No, that's about it. Oh, Packers, Vikings, opening a new stadium in Minnesota. Another large-scale game. Both teams coming in 1-0. They're going to want to impose their word early on because, you know, Packers won the wild card last year. They didn't win the NFC North. The Vikings stole the NFC North, some people might say, from the Packers. So the Packers want to show that they're really the big boys in town. So that's another game in week two to keep your eye on right there. Who am I going to take? Check me out on Thursday. We'll talk a little more about that. But let's let's shift away from football. I want to give you a quick week two preview. Let's take a shift away. CM Punk. You got the Undertaker music playing in the background, right? The irony. CM Punk UFC debut. Needless to say, things didn't go very well for Mr. Punk. He got embarrassed. I was hanging out with my god bro at a bar. Friday night and he told me straight up CM Punk is getting beat within the first round everything that he saw leading up to the fight he told me straight up that fight ain't getting out the first round he might get knocked out he didn't get knocked out but he got choked out and he got beat he got whipped I'm gonna give CM Punk a lot of respect for the fact that he came into a field that's not his own he's a professional wrestler he left the WWE under questionable circumstances and he you know his part of his gimmick was the fact that he was kind of like a mixed martial artist so he had a he had a fighting background. So the idea of him going to to UFC when it initially happened didn't seem so ludicrous. But after seeing their performance, got to say it is extremely ludicrous. <laughs> CM Punk, man, you got to do better. We are sports fans, we got to do better. We should not have encouraged them. We should have done everything in our power. We should have done everything in our power to convince Mr. Punk that this is not a good idea. Because now, with everything that's happening and all the negative energy between him and his former employers at WWE, him falling on his face like this, and Dana White saying his his next fight shouldn't be in the UFC, that that is, if the boss is saying that, that basically means you won't be fighting the UFC anymore. Your next fight is going to be somewhere, and we'll only hear about it because it'll make waves on the newswise because you're CM Punk. But you can't go back to WWE right now because the way you left, the bridge is burned. You can't find UFC because Dana White said so. CM Punk, I'm sorry, man. I'm very sorry. I'm really sorry for you. I think a lot of us here listening, me talking, will say that we feel legitimately bad for you. You bet on yourself, and you know what? There's something to be said for that. Not a lot of people are willing to bet on themselves in 2016. They'll take the comfortable route and hope things work out for the best. So I want to commend you for betting on yourself because that's a beautiful thing. I'm betting on myself for car sessions. I'm betting on myself that I can make it as a sports personality. So I totally understand where you're coming from. But sometimes betting on yourself turns into a situation called a backside bet. I'm not going to curse on coaches, but you know exactly all the people know exactly what I'm talking about is when you bet you know you don't have it, but you bet anyway cuz you just wanted to see. That's not a good idea. We don't we don't do backside bets around here. It's smart plays and sure things when it comes to getting punched in the face. I'm not going to fight a dude that I know I can't beat. <laughs> I, I'm gonna at least try to fight a dude that they could go either way. But if I know full well I, I got no wins in that fight, I'm gonna find my way out of that fight. So, so Mr. Punk, going forward, if you need to make amends with Vince McMahon, or if you need to go to Bellator or some lower tier mixed martial arts company to get your weight up, do that. But do not fight on a, on the on the biggest platform in the sport anymore. It is for the greater good of yourself and the sport. And you don't want Vince laughing at you like he's doing right now. Last but not least, Triple G had a fight. It was weird to me because I felt like this was the first fight where he got challenged. And as soon as Kel Brook got in some trouble, some real trouble, his corner, his corner threw him out. Man, his corner did him an injustice. His corner threw the towel in. I've seen other guys take more massive shots from Triple G. And they stayed in there until they got knocked out. You know what? If you want to say it's a humanitarian deal, I respect that. Because at the end of the day, the corner wants to make sure Kel Brook, because he was undefeated coming into this fight, and he's a pretty damn good fighter, wants to save his fighter for down the road. But I feel like he did his fight a bit of an injustice because it's embarrassing. This is this is a manly sport. This, this is a combat of all combat sports. And you threw the towel in because he took a few shots? And it, and I've again I've seen Triple G hit people much harder than Kell Brook got hit, so it, it looked kind of fishy to me. I don't know if somebody didn't want the to fight to go past five rounds, or the corner panicked, or he had an idea that as soon as it looked like Kell Brook might get his, his 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 block rocked or his head knocked off, that the corner was gonna throw the towel in. But I felt like that towel getting thrown in did him an insert did did, did Brook more of a disservice than anything else. Kell Brook. Marketability wise, I feel like took a hit. Who who wants to pay to see a guy fight if his corners gonna throw the towel in just because he got hit hard? So again, I don't agree with that decision. I I would prefer, I would really prefer, I'd really prefer if in a situation like that the corner gets out of the way. But you know what? I'm just it's just one man's opinion. I'm just I'm just the guy. Fair is fair. Nah, no, 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 no. Actually, no. Don't do that no more, Corner Man. Let Kelbrook fight his fight. You might have cost Kell millions of dollars down the road because you just embarrassed him. It's a big fight. It's Triple G. It's one of the biggest names he could get being Kelbrook Being at the wealth of the weight division is a little convoluted right now. That was one of his biggest fights, and you embarrassed him. I feel some type of way. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the Car Session Sports Report. I'm your host, Jov. I'll be back on Thursday with Car Sessions in New York City. Big announcement. I am back with the Bleacher Breakdown Network like I never left. Oh, you thought I forgot? I didn't. I am back. Bleacher Breakdown. Exclusive home of Car Sessions in New York City. And one more thing. Let's go Mets. Until next time. I'm out of here. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.